Last Sunday, I preached about freedom. And I submit to you one of the freedoms you can choose, and I hope and pray that you choose that freedom, is to be part of a discipleship group. Because if Marnell and Christina were just alone with no one to help them, to guide them, to counsel them, who knows? They may have gone ahead of God. But praise be to God that they decided to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, I need people in my life to help me in my walk. Yes, every Christian, every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit. But God has put people into my life who help me, especially with my blind spots. And many times it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's embarrassing. But if my motive, if my goal is to be more and more like Christ, which is Romans 8.29, that for, for those whom God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image and likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ, then I should be willing to accept that discipleship. So praise God, Marnell and Christina. Thank you for sharing your testimony with us. This morning, we continue on the topic that I shared about last week, which is freedom. I shared with you last week in John chapter 8, 34 through 36, that Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, what? You will be free indeed. Now remember the background of this was Jesus was telling them and the Jews who have already believed them, they complained. We have never been under anyone. We have never been enslaved. So that's why they said, how do you say that we are, that we should be free? We have never been enslaved. And Jesus explains, if you commit sin, you are a slave to sin. You and I are enslaved to whatever we do. So last week I shared with us that we can be free either to be slaves to sin or to be slaves to righteousness. And I shared with you that freedom glows. It radiates. Matthew 5 tells us that the light of the world is Jesus Christ. And those of us who are born again, who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, has this light. And we are supposed to radiate this light. It should glow. So true freedom glows. And freedom allows me to give beyond the 10% that was set in the Old Testament. Freedom allows me to love. Love even the unlovable. Love and pray for my enemies. 
Freedom allows me to obey. No longer under requirement, but out of a love response to God for what He has done for me, what He will continue to do for me. Freedom also allows me to worship. My worship is a lifestyle. My lifestyle is a lifestyle of worship. Worship means that every day that God gives you can be an opportunity for worship. Not just on Sundays. Not just between the hours of 9.30 and 11. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us to offer our bodies as what? Living sacrifices, which is a reasonable service of worship. And lastly, true freedom allows me to serve. Serve you, serve others. True freedom glows. This morning I want to ask us, based on the freedoms that God has given to us through His Son Jesus Christ, I have a question. How am I to exercise my freedom in Christ? Is that a good question to ask? Especially here in America, that you are almost able to do whatever you want to do. I'm surprised that in this land of the free and home of the brave, if your neighbor sees you kicking your dog, they can call 911, right? Animal cruelty. Yes? Nobody will question you, however, if you go to the abortion clinic two blocks down. If you crack an egg of a bald eagle, there's an $800 fine. But you decide to abort the baby in you, nobody gives a hoot. That's the freedom. That's the freedom that we have here in America. So how then, my question then, if I am really free, how then should I exercise my freedoms in Christ? Can I invite all of us to please stand and read Scripture? Beginning with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. And Paul writes, let's all read this. I have the right.
even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you that we are free to worship you for who you are. We have this freedom here, Lord God. There are other countries, Lord, that are close to, to worship. They are close to the gospel. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, that you break down those walls so that the gospel can be preached in preparation for your eventual return. God, will you speak to us this morning? As you have spoken to me, Lord, continue to speak in and through me. And Lord, will you just speak to all of us, Lord God, through the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to deal with our hearts in the areas that need to be dealt with, Lord God, so that as Paul writes, Lord, we may live lives that are glorifying to you. We commit to you, Lord, the balance of our worship. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. You may be seated. So are you free? Are you free to do anything? Absolute freedom, we defined for you last week, is anarchy. You can choose to drive on the wrong side of the street if you want. You're free to do that. You might hit an oncoming vehicle and die in the process, but that's your choice. And Paul tells us, I have the right to do anything you say. But then, not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But not everything is constructive. So the, is it worth our while to see how or ask the question how I should exercise my freedoms in Christ? Because even if the apostle sa Paul says he is free to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. He is free to do anything, but not everything is constructive. In other translations it says, I am free to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I am free to do anything but I will not be mastered by anything. So in the exercise of my freedoms as a child of God, even Paul tells us and reminds us that whatever we do, whether in the simplest of things, eating and drinking, whatever it is, our mindset, our goal, is to do all for what? For the glory of Christ. If Marnell and Christina decided to stand up in the meeting and pound the table of the immigration officer and insist, see, I have it stamped. Why did you lose it? It is your fault, not ours. They would have still gotten their visa, right? Because they had complied. And if they don't want, they can call the lawyer. But what would have happened to their testimony? Maybe the lawyer will come and talk to the immigration officer. And the lawyer will explain, you know, these people aren't lying. When they say that they mailed in the forms, the medical things, and all the other compliance stuff, they're not lying because they're Christian. And the 
officer will say, what? Those two people who banged my table and lifted their voice and shouted Olya, profanities at me? They were Christian? You see what I'm getting at? I am free, but I should be free to obey God. I should be free to be a slave of righteousness. How then am I supposed to exercise this? First, I want us to see our freedoms toward God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. The Old Testament requirement for you to be saved, for you to be able to go to heaven, is very easy. It's very simple. Obey all the laws all the time. So can you make it? No. It was really a curse. If you really want to go to heaven relying on your ability and capacity to obey the law, all of the law, 100% of the time, sure, that's why Moses wrote in Deuteronomy, it's really a curse. But through Jesus Christ, we have been set free. Sin shall no longer be your master. Why? You are no longer under the law. You are under grace. And it writes in verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to what? To righteousness. Either you're a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You, brothers and sisters, we, we don't have to sin. Because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary, we have been set free. We now have a choice whether I will obey God or I will obey my own desires. I'm free. I can choose to come to worship or not. I can choose to do this or to do that. You're free. Sin shall no longer be your master. Why? Because when Jesus Christ God becomes our Father. We are set free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 and 2. We are no longer under the requirements of the law because in Christ, all the requirements of the law were fulfilled. Therefore, I am free. The gift of salvation is free. And now that I am free, I have the freedom to choose. And Paul reminds us that we don't have to sin. You don't have to sin. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it says here, you have become slaves to righteousness. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 21, but if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master shall take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door of the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. In the Old Testament, you would serve for six years. The seventh year is called the Jubilee year, and you are set free. However, if you're the slave, and you don't want to be set free, you're a slave. Why, why in the world would you not want to be set free, right? But look at it. I love my master. Because I love my master, 
I don't want to be set free. So I go to my master. Master, I love you. I don't want you to set me free. I want to be your slave. So what is the master supposed to do? Bring the slave to the judges, perhaps to confirm. Is it true? You're, you're declaring that you don't want to be free from your master. It's the jubilee year. You, you can be set free. No, I love my master. I want to serve him. All right. They will pierce his ear with an awl. It's a wooden spike. And as a result, what will happen? Then he will be his servant for life. Did he have a choice? Either to be enslaved or to be free. Right? What was his choice? To continue to be a slave to his master for life. Why? Because he loved the master. I am free from sin because of what Jesus Christ. But my motive to obey, my motive to make the choice to be enslaved to righteousness is because I love God. Not because I must. Not because I should, but because I love God. Freedom towards God gives us the choice whether we will continue to sin or not. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul wrote, and I shared with, with you last week, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should what? Should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We should stop living for ourselves. If we say that we have the life of Christ in us, then we should stop living for ourselves and instead have the transformation to live for Christ who died for us. You and I cannot say that we are born again if there is no evidence, if there is no fruit. We should no longer live for ourselves, but live for Christ. As a matter of fact, First Peter puts it this way. As obedient children, you see the relationship? It's no longer slave-master, but children and parent. It's a different relationship. Do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Why? Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Being a true born-again Christian, the evidence is I begin to live a holy life. It is not as if I go around like this. I am a holy person. Holy means set apart. That you live a different life from the world. That when you are in the world, ah, there is something different about this person. Ah, there is something different about this person. What is it? What does this person have that I don't have? Holy. God said, I have called you to be my people. You were not a people before, now you are a people. Before you did not have this, now you have this. So live a life that is set apart. 
live a life that is different. Be in the world, but not of the world. Now, how many of you like to eat fish? Over there, over there, two hands. I know many of you like to go fishing. There's a plan going on. I won't say when or who. They're going to rent a boat. They're going to out to the deep waters. And they're going to fish. Now, why is it that when they bring home the fish, when you cook, you still put salt and soy sauce? Where did the fish come from? Isn't the seawater salty? And why do you need to put salt? Why do you need to put soy sauce? The same with us. We should be in the world, but instead of the world affecting us, we should affect the world around us. Unless our testimony is salty. If that's what a Christian is, I don't want to be a Christian. Short-tempered, always complaining, always late to work, always the first to go home. Hello, I was sharing with the men yesterday. Hello, can you pile me a half-day leave? Yes, sir. This was in Manila. Yes, sir. At about 12.30, I will call. Hello, make it a whole day. <laughs> Live a life that is set apart. You have the freedom in Christ towards God. I will not sin anymore by your grace, by the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. I will choose every time I am tempted that I will not give in to the temptation. I choose you rather than my own desires. Because I desire to live a life that will please you. A life that will glorify you. That's my freedom towards God. How about freedom towards myself? Well, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us, Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I'm free. I'm free to choose God over my sin. Towards myself, I should realize that something happened. When I received Jesus Christ, my body became a temple. My temple is a bit expanding. Because my wife is a good cook. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I have to ask myself, you know, how will I take care of the temple? Will I continue to expose it to negative stuff, to things that do not or are not good for my body? Now here Paul is saying, we should flee from all, all sin, right? In this particular passage, Paul is saying, flee immorality. Why? Look, immorality has a different way of getting at us. All sins, all other sins a person commits are outside the body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. For lack of a, an English translation, I call this sagad. Sabuto. Through to the bone. 
Because when you sin sexually, wherever you are, that sin goes with you and it has consequences. Paul tells us to flee. My freedom to choose also gives me the freedom to run away. But please, don't run away towards the sin. Run towards God. Well, in song, what is your, your greatest weakness? Well, you know, I like to go to the girly bar. Example lang. Example lang. You might get the wrong impression. Right? In Manila, do you know the street that is full of girly bars? Oh, come on. You don't know the street in Manila because do you know the one in Bulacan? I know you, Bobby. All right. So you know that your weakness is the girly bar. And you came from a corporate event in Manila Hotel. You have a choice. Rojas Boulevard, Quiapo Boulevard, Mabini, M.H. Del Pilar. Why in the world do you choose to drive through Mabini? Because it's traffic. Okay, you like traffic? Well, kind of, sort of. Really? Because if it's slow and you're stuck in traffic, Why am I doing this? Because to the right and to the left is glass and red lights and green lights. And <laughs> right? God said, flee. Why do you pass? That's coming from a wife, mind you. All right? Why in the world will you want to pass? Right there where your weaknesses is right in front of you. Aren't you free? <coughs> Flee morality. Flee all kinds of sin. Do not present your bodies to occasions. Not, Paul said do not even expose or bring the members of your body to occasions for sin. As a matter of fact, we should flee. Run away from sin. Run towards God. You don't have to sin. You don't have to stay in that situation. You don't have to expose yourself. Run away. Run towards God. In another instance, in 1 Corinthians 10, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Why? No temptation has overtaken you, but as such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my brothers, what? Flee from idolatry. Look at what Paul is saying. We should be careful. We should not be proud. We should not think that because I am Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, because I have the Holy Spirit, I am invincible. I am now free from sin. Look at what the Paul is saying. 
Let him who thinks he stands. You already believe that you are strong in the Lord? What is Paul telling us? Take heed. Listen to the warning. Because what may happen, you might fall. That's why discipleship is very important. Because I need people to remind me so that I don't fall. Before we were trapped in this idea, oh, pastor, I'm such a bad person. God will never accept me. God will never forgive me. Why was the problem? I'm tempted. So am I. Are you still tempted even after having come to faith in Christ? Yes. Yes? Only one is shaking his head over there. The same guy who said he does not know the street. <laughs> I will not tell you that his name is Bobby Cedro. Okay. God said, temptation is not yet sin. When you are tempted, and everyone is tempted, that's not yet sin. God says he's faithful. With the temptation. God did not say he's going to remove the temptation. He said, with the temptation, I'll provide a way out. But many times, what do we do? God, remove the temptation. God, God remove the temptation. God is faithful. Number one, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. With the temptation, He will provide a way out. Now you are free to stay or to go. Yes? It's your choice. If you want to glorify God, flee sin. Run away from sin. Run towards God. Temptation is not yet a sin. However you decide to give in to the temptation, then you have fallen into sin. Nobody pushed you. You did it on your own. So don't blame God. God, I fell. I committed that sin because you were not there. That is a lie from the devil. You are lying to yourself because God said, with the temptation... I will provide a way out. The song, you remember the song? When God closes the door, He opens the window. Ayamu. I'll just walk through the door, even if it's closed. God said He is with you in the midst of temptation. Your role, my role, flee, run away from that, go to God. Paul said, Oh, so free, freedom towards God, freedom towards yourself. And of course, we need also to realize freedom towards others. We are in this world and we are among people. Paul writes, Though I am free from all though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. So that what? I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law. Though not being myself under the law so that I might win those who are under the law. 
to those who are without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I may win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I may win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a partaker, a fellow partaker of it. Paul is free. He's a Roman citizen. By their standards, he's a free man. When they were going to punish him, he said, I am a Roman citizen. They backed off. Because you can't do that to a Roman citizen. No matter how bad you were, if you're a Roman citizen, you had certain rights. So they backed off. But Paul is free, yet how does he introduce himself? Though I am free from all men. What? He chose to be a slave to all men. In a matter of speaking, Paul was enslaved to the gospel. In the, in the exercise of his freedom towards God, towards himself, and now towards others, he said, to the Jews I became as a Jew, so I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, so that I may win those under the law. To those without the law, as those without the law, so that I may win those who... Are you getting the idea of what Paul is trying to tell us? He says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Have you noticed that your circle of friends is shrinking? Has that happened to you? Before you had so many friends from work, from relatives, from just friends, from high school, whatever. Your, your, your circle was so big. And then you came to faith in Christ. And through no conscious effort of ourselves, of our own, the circle became small. And then you're looking around you, and all of your friends, all of your relationships are Christian. Who are you going to share the gospel to now? So Paul reminds us, I have to be in the world, be among people of the world, so that I can what? Bring them to Christ. How am I going to do it? Okay, I will assimilate. To the Jew, I am a Jew. To the Greek, I am a Greek. To those under the law, as under the law. To those without law, to, as those without law. Why? So that I will win the more. So that I will win as many as I can to the Lord. Now, if we don't go out there, and be amongst the people who do not know Christ, how will we introduce them to Christ? Are we, quote-unquote, Pastor Peter, are we communicating? You will heal that more in August. Look at what Paul is trying to tell us. Early in my Christian walk, okay, early in my Christian walk, I was invited to proxy at the wedding. Okay. The wedding was inside a Catholic church because it was a Catholic wedding. 
And one of the godparents was not going to come. So they asked, could I? And I said, you know, I think I will decline. Because no, I don't want to be in that situation. And I sought counsel. And the counsel to me was very simple. In song, do you hope that in the future, you will be able to share Christ with this person who's getting married? I said, yes, of course. I want to be able to share Jesus Christ with him. Do you think if you do not come to his wedding and be proxy for one of the godparents, do you think that when it is your turn to invite him, what do you think he will remember? That you did not go to his wedding. And that would have virtually shut the door for the gospel. I'm not saying that I'm the only one that God will use to bring the gospel to this person. But my actions would have closed the door. So what did I do? I stood there as a proxy to the wedding. Why? So that I might win the more. You see, we have to assimilate with the people. What if you are like, okay, here comes Dr. No. When you go to the office, here's Dr. No. Keep quiet. Why? You ask him about worldly stuff. No. 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 You shouldn't do that. You should do this. What will happen? What, what happens to your testimony? You're closing the door. Now, I'm not saying, okay, I'm not saying that you do whatever it is they do because Paul said, there's a limit. I am under the law of Christ. So if they're doing things that are against the law of Christ, that causes me to fall into sin, I'm not going to do it. To this day, my boss, since the first day I started work in April of 1982, Song, will you go out for me for some drinks? Sure. Yeah. He orders, I just order Coke. But now I have to change because of my blood sugar. It has to be diet coke. <laughs> you see, I, I build the, the relationship is there. And if I practice being aloof, I, I break the, 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 the relationship. How can I collect? You remember our program? Connect so that they can believe, so that they can be what? What's next? Wala na. So that they can grow and then mentor and then multiply. If you don't want to connect, what will happen? You just choke up the whole process. So how do I do this with others? Accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. I was eating pork chops. I'm getting you hungry. I was eating pork chops. This was Holy Week. 
the secretary of the president of the company was beside me. And she said, why are you eating pork chops? It's Holy Week. Ay. The next time around, she asked me, Oh, why aren't you eating your pork chops? I said, you know, because if my eating pork chops will offend you, I choose not to eat. Am I free to eat my pork chops? But for the sake of the conscience of the other person, I restrain, I refrain from exercising my God-given freedoms for the sake of the person who has a weaker conscience. That's why Paul tells us, who are you to judge? Who are you to judge the servant of one another? To his own master he stands or falls. He will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Who are we? There's only one judge, Jesus Christ. Right? When we see people, oh, that's not a Christian. Oh, that's not a Christian. Oh, yeah, Christian. How do you know? How do I know? Right? So Paul tells us, take care that this liberty of yours does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat sacrifice to idols? Yeah, but you know, John, you have to remember that my, you know, my circle of friends, they like the girls, so I have to be with them so that I can share Christ with them. You know, I was the one who booked the appointment. You know, so when I booked the appointment, it was for them, it's not for me. Because I know I am strong, I'm free in the Lord. And then somebody will see you. Isn't that Pastor Inso? What is he doing with those women? With drinks on the table. I thought he was a Christian. Yes? Come on, be honest. That's how we think. See, Paul is telling us, take care. In the exercise of your liberty, do not become a stumbling block. Because when people see you doing those things, those who are weaker will assume that it's okay. So what? Where do we stumble and fall? Food. Ha! You eat blood soup? That's the English of uh, Dinuguan. You eat Dinuguan? In other churches, they don't accept this. You should be in a three-piece suit with a tie. And you should be dignified. You don't joke. You have this, uh, good morning everyone. What else? What else do we get in trouble and become a stumbling block to other people? Music. Ay, dapat hymns. No, drums. 
No puede. No puede seguir. What else? Huh? Clothes. Right? What else? I, you work on Sundays? What kind of Christian are you? Oh, some of you are thinking. Oh, nga, no? Dapat, dapat. God said, six days you shall work. The seventh is your Sabbath. But here we choose to worship on Sundays. What else? Movies. Ay, you're a Christian. You should not watch movie. <laughs> but pastor, in Whittier, it's only $5 on Tuesday. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind the cost. Movies are evil. How about exercising your spiritual gifts? The same. Ah, you don't do this, you don't exercise this, and you're not a Christian. What happens? What are we supposed to do? Paul says, For through your knowledge, he who is weak is what? Ruined. The brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will not ever eat meat again. Sarap. So I will not cause my brother to stumble. Oh, sarap talaga yesterday. You did not see me inside because I was there beside the barbecue. Refrain. Restrain the use of the, your freedoms for the sake of the weaker brother in Christ. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Why? Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. So, I am free towards God. I am free towards myself. I am free towards others. Now how? How? Number one. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind to put, not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I remember a lady in CCF. She came to worship backless. During that time, backless. Oh! You don't go to church backless. You go to the nightclub backless. Right? And keep on believe that. You don't go. Right? So I why is this going to church backless? The girl just received Christ the day before. She's just very new in the faith. She did not know any better. But it's easier to what? Pass judgment. So in my freedom, God tells me, stop. Stop passing judgment. Make it your point. Set your mind that you will not make yourself a stumbling block to anyone. Whether believer or not believer. Stop it. If you're approaching a railroad truck, what? What must you do? 
So what's next? You are very, you're awake. First, you must stop. Stop passing judgment. Second, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. For so long as it depends on you, live in peace with all men. Choose your battles. Stop and then, Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Stop passing judgment and look out. Look out for the interest of your brother, not only yourself, but look out for the interest of others. Pastor Danny has preached on this message that we should follow the image and the actions of Christ. Be humble. Be selfless. Don't pass judgment. Look out for the interests of others. We're not saying, and the Bible is not saying, that you don't have interests of your own. But Paul is telling us we should also consider the interests of others. Stop. Look. I wish there was a listen. <laughs> but there's none. So, stop, look, and then balance. Why balance? John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw the glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. For His fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. What is more important in this passage? I don't know either, Eliza. So let me tell you. Look. How many times does the word grace appear? Four times. Right? Four times. And there must be balance. You need grace and you also need truth. One cannot live without the other. Pastor Reggie preached on this. It is like a coin, a two-sided coin. If you have grace, there is a accompanying truth. If there is truth, there must be accompanying grace. Why? I'm a Christian. I represent Christ. So in my dealings with fellow believers and not yet believers, I have to practice grace and truth. If all truth... Without grace. Am I sharing the truth? Yes. But because I don't share it graciously, what happens to the truth? They become legalistic. That's where you become doctor no. Everything is no. Dad, can I go out? No. Dad, can I? No. You have to balance grace and truth. Now I'm guilty of not 
at times practicing this in our D group. I won't go into the details. You know, there's a question, and I give the truth. However, the truth comes across very sharp, very strong. So the person is offended. I'm learning that even when I share the truth, it must have accompanying grace. It's very easy. Uh, song, do you think God will accept me? Ah, no. <laughs> because you're a sinner. No sinner goes to heaven. So the answer to your question, God will not accept you. But what's that? That's true, right? The wages of sin is death, right? You're a sinner, where what, what are you headed for? Death, right? But what's the grace of God? That Jesus Christ died for your sin. And if you repent of your sin and accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross as payment for your sin, and you trust Jesus Christ, you can go to heaven. That's God's promise. You just balance grace and truth. If all grace, you might not be able to share the truth. And the person, oh yes, because so and so told me. Always balance grace and truth. When we exercise our freedom, especially towards others, balance grace and truth. If all truth, you like getting the Bible and use it as a mallet. Hit them over the head. You are supposed to submit to your husband. <laughs> you are supposed to love me. <laughs> Balance it. Grace and truth. Stop passing judgment on one another. They may, go, may, may be going through something. Balance. Look out for the interests of others, not only yourself. Balance grace and truth. I was working in the office and I was sent down. We have a new guy. I was sent down to assist him. Unbeknownst to me, a third person comes. And in the middle of the conversation with the participant, he talks about, hey, I heard you had baptism at church. You know how it is in America, right? You do not talk. Yes? You are not allowed. You sign off on that, right? So after the participant left, I, three of us, hey, you know, when we are in front of the participant, we should, you know, help the participant. Among us, between us, fine, we can talk. But when there's a participant, we should refrain. Oh, thanks. Do you not know that in America we are free to express our faith, etc., etc.? For him, he's, he's going to do anything and everything. But I told him, if you continue along that path, you might lose your job. I'm not here to get a paycheck. Fine, no problem. So I just told him, you know, let's agree to disagree. You handle your participants your way, and I will handle my participants my way. This week, praise be to God, the other worker looked at me. Lorenzo, did, he, did your participant just hug you? Yes, he did. I had two hugs this week. Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you. 
if the conversation allows for spiritual matters to be discussed, I'm there. But I'm also a representative of Los Angeles County. So I have to what? Balance. Grace and truth. If I stop judging, right? And then I begin to look out for the interests of others. And then I begin to balance grace and truth. Guess what? We read this verse. So whatever you eat, whether in food or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. What will happen? The glory of God. It will produce an opportunity for you to be able to share Christ. It will produce an opportunity for you and I to help a weaker brother or sister. It's your choice.